are you ready to reclaim your power and step into your true divine feminine sovereignty? Rima Bonario joins us to share the seven queendoms and how you can embody this sacred energy and use it to create a life that's in alignment with who you really are. Unlock the power of the goddess within on exploring the mystical side of life. Welcome to Exploring the Mystical Side of Life with your host, Linda Lang. Hi, this is Linda Lang from ThoughtChange.com. We are exploring the mystical side of life once again this week. If you enjoy our conversations, remember to subscribe and share with a friend. Today we are talking personal sovereignty and embodying the divine feminine with soul coach, and Dreamweaver, Rima Bonario. Welcome, Rima. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be with you today. Rima, what called you to the divine feminine work? I had come across a book named Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd years and years ago, 20 years ago. And it radically changed my perspective, like her journey to ask the question of where is the feminine inside of her spiritual tradition, her religious tradition, and to really begin to illustrate that there's a different way of looking at feminine energy and a a different way of holding the feminine with a kind of respect that I didn't witness growing up was, was shocking to me. And at the time I was the executive director of the Unity Church of in Houston, Texas, a large uh, unity church. And my colleague and dear friend, Patricia Bass, who's the associate minister there at the time, said, oh, if you like that book, you should read Da Vinci Code. You'll like that book. And so I read that book and just read it in sort of in one sitting, I called in sick to work. (laughs) So just had me by the throat. And by the end of that book, I was I was hooked and I looked at his list of Dan Brown's list of research books and started making my way through all those books to uncover this idea that there was another way of looking at what we think of as spirituality. I had grown up Italian Catholic, so this was very new territory for me. And, And then it kind of went underground for a little bit and resurfaced when I took my first sacred travel journey to Egypt. And when I got to Egypt, I'd had some interactions with Mother Mary, actually, during that earlier time period. But then, as I said, things kind of went underground. I began to hear the voice of the goddess very, very clearly in Egypt and and had multiple psychic experiences of feeling that calling and feeling that connection. And, um, you know, I just decided to listen to that and began again, down the path of following the clues and the cues and the breadcrumb trail. And eventually it really deeply supported me in helping make the shift that I didn't even know I needed to move into my more feminine nature, myself personally. This mystical experience traveling through Egypt, was it a particular Egyptian goddess that came to you or just the divine feminine archetype. Yeah, in the beginning, I didn't know who it was. It just felt like the goddess, you know. And as I traveled back over the years, I've been there five times now leading groups and 
doing these sacred pilgrimages and and in the in between times working on myself at home and being in my own learning process i began to cultivate a very clear relationship with isis and on my second journey back she actually came to me in a meditation deep meditative state visually and it took me on this whole unbelievable journey and and so i work very closely with her now and that really there's sort of four it's Hathor, Isis, Mother Mary, and Magdalene. And I see them as sets or pairs of feminine expression, the sort of great mother, and then the more active younger lover energy. And then that gets repeated in the, the Mary and Mary Magdalene pairing. And they became very prominent in my healing work with the oils. When, when COVID hit, I almost didn't make it out of Egypt. I flew out on the last day, one of the last flights to leave because we had a tour group that we were finishing up and it was just a miraculous thing that we were able to finish that tour and get all the way to the end of that tour. And I got COVID on the way back because of course everybody got jammed in all the airports and what have you. And I spent 17 days in one bedroom in the house surrounded by all the oils and and had a really magical, amazing experience. And so at that time, I began to ask the question, how can these oils be useful for healing people with COVID, including myself? And I was given a protocol, an anointing ritual that I began to use. Uh, I, I shared with the people in my community, the, the Sisterhood of Anointing Priestesses that was growing up out of this sharing work that I was doing with these oils that I had been gifted or provided with this protocol and they would let me know when they had somebody who was ill in their sphere and I would do these anointings and unbelievable stories of recovery uh, came through and those four goddess versions of the goddess right it's all the goddess of 10,000 names it just showing up in these versions are a critical part of that protocol so I've been pretty active with them at various points in my life and the oils that you've been referring to they are the Bloom Fine Egyptian oils, correct? Yes. Yeah, so my mentor, Gamal Abdul, is a fifth generation alchemist and his family's been working with these oils. They're part of the lineage of the Egyptian mystery school, Secret Keepers. And his family comes from the tribe that's connected to the wise men, you know, that made the journey with the sacred oils to the Holy Family. And so he's given me the permission to bring them here to the U.S. where I live and to bottle them up and, and share them. I don't teach anything now that doesn't include working with these oils because they work at the energy level of the body. And so much of our distress, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional or spiritual distress and stress starts at the energetic level. And if we can use these homeopathic remedies to clear out, align, and balance our chakra system, then a lot of the, the stuff that trips us up in our thinking just dissolves. And so it's, it's a great way to be able to come at our desire for change and growth and expansion, both psycho-spiritually and through physical movement and body-based practices. All of those are essential and then bring with it the energy work as well. It makes for a very potent mix. I love that you have had some miraculous healings using these oils long distance. It's a real testament to how everything is energy and you don't have to necessarily be present alive in person when receiving an anointment. 
Absolutely. And, and while there's certainly value to have your own set to be able to continue on, these deeper healing practices that got created were incredibly effective. And I couldn't have been more skeptical like, prior to some of these mystical experiences happening to me. This was not the world that I lived in. <laughs> and so uh, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. That's what I have to say about that. And truly, that is the crux of my work is this feeling that we are remembering. And it's not that I show anything new to someone. I just open a door that helps them remember their own soul's experience, the, the truth that is within themselves and how they can then make that truth become manifest in the day-to-day -day living that we're doing here on the planet. It's pretty well considered that we are moving toward a time of the divine feminine, a time where we'll come back into greater balance. How do you think that working with the archetypes can help assist us to step more fully on that path? It's so important for us to recognize that all of us are embedded inside of a patriarchal system, which means that men and women alike, we're all just living right now in the thought construct that says there's really kind of one way to be with the world. And that is a, an energetic that is an outward energy a masculine energy and, and don't conflate this with gender because we all have masculine and feminine energies inside of us. Uh, it's an archetypal energy. The easiest way to think of it is it's an outflow energy while the feminine energy is an inward energy. And we've been on the receiving end of a couple of thousand years of this push outward flowing energy. And part of the perspective that comes from that viewpoint is that everything is a challenge that must be faced with a sword and vanquished. And the sort of sense of it is somebody's going to die here and it ain't going to be me. So the feminine has a very different approach to the seeing of these interconnections and the way that we are woven together talking about the Dreamweaver archetype, the feminine is more inward focused. It draws inward. It's magnetizing. It uses, it, it's generative. So it brings energy in and holds it for a while and lets it bloom and grow and then gives birth. And it really loves to nourish and network and create space that includes places for rest and stillness and natural cycles rather than just sort of this one pedal on the gas type thing. And we are in desperate need of that change so much so that it's it's actually, if you think about it from the energies of the universe and the way astro astrology works, we're moving into the time of Aquarius. People hear that all the time. It's the age of Aquarius. What does that mean? It means that this, the woman with the jar, you know, she's the one holding the jar, whether that's oil or water or whatever it might be. This is our time as priestesses, as women who remember the goddess and what she stands for, men and women who remember the goddess is what she stands for, that we get to move into sacred community and the energy of community is very, very present. However, it's always interesting to remember that the zodiac is a circle. And so while we're looking at Aquarius from where we sit on planet Earth, behind us or where we're looking from 
is Leo, the constellation of Leo, which is all about sovereignty and about the individual sense of knowing one's own sovereign self. And so we have this natural tension that we're seeking to resolve over as as we move into this age, this next time period of how do we be both in community and hold our individual sovereignty. And we have to learn that our sovereignty, when we're truly in our sovereign selves rather than in our shadow selves, no one else's sovereignty is a threat to us. And we can come together as equals to create communities and structures that serve everyone. So it's really about knowing yourself and expressing from that authentic place. It's an important aspect of it. You have to know who you are on the inside to be able to authentically express, to be in your sovereignty. If you don't know yourself, it's very hard to be sovereign, right? How do you know what decisions you're making are coming from your essence versus your conditioning, all the ways that we got taught as young girls growing up and young men growing up to believe that we should be a certain way to please our caregivers, to please our teachers, to please our religious instructors. We we got taught to reference other people more than referencing ourselves. And there for a time, we need to do that. We're young, we're learning, we don't know much. We need the people in our lives to be supportive and helpful and caring and how they mentor us and guide us. But we grow up with humans and we're all flawed. And even the most dedicated, loving parents will make significant mistakes at times that that cause childhood wounding. And we, as we age, part of the maturing process is becoming willing to look at those old hurts and not just cover them over with band-aids, but actually help them heal so that, so that we get that we have a scar there that tells us we went through the experience, but there's no more hurt. There's no more injury. There's no more infection. There's no more stress coming from that life experience. We get the wisdom without the pain. How do the goddesses actually help us to do that? In my work, what I've done is looked at how we reclaim the sacredness of the feminine principle because it's not valued right now in our lives and in our world. We have to start by reclaiming the feminine principle through the lens of the goddess. We start with ourselves in our own lives And then I have chosen to work with specifically the archetype of the queen in this book and and with this work, The Seven Queendoms. I took that queen archetype and applied it across seven areas of my life because I, I really wanted to make some of these changes we're talking about. And it's a big task. So I broke it down into seven arenas, spiritual sovereignty, mental sovereignty, emotional sovereignty, energetic sovereignty physical sovereignty, sexual sovereignty, and then our dharma or our work in the world, our our expressive sovereignty. And so there's a queen for each of those areas and they track loosely to the chakra system. So that's nice. And it helps us to really understand ourselves as a full system, a full spectrum being that has all of these arenas. And in some of these areas, we might be doing really well. We might feel very sovereign in some of these areas. In other areas, we might feel like we're not quite as sovereign. And in my work to help myself make these shifts, I also identified what it was like to have not enough of any of those energies or too much of any of those energies, and then created shadow expressions of those queens 
to help me identify when I was falling out of my own sovereign nature, either by, by being too much of a good thing or not enough of a good thing. And that's been incredibly helpful for people to be able to notice. For example, the grounded queen, she oversees our physical sovereignty. If we've got too much of that grounded energy, we get stuck. So I call her the frozen queen, where we're just shut down and we can't access the, the pleasure in the body and all the, the power of the body. We, we just feel stuck and still. Or if we don't have enough of that energy, we can feel flighty, like the flighty queen, where we're just like a flock of birds scattered all the time and we don't really feel tethered to the earth. So that kind of illustrates, okay, I'm shooting for this sort of middle ground here and I want to pay attention to when I move too far from the center. Does your work incorporate rituals or inner journeys or maybe some other type of self-exploration? Absolutely. I mean, that's incredibly important. The, the book itself is a part memoir. The front part of the book has my story in it because I realized I was going to have to take examples from my life. So it's going to need to share more deeply about my own journey. Then we do a conversation around the energy body and reclaiming the the feminine divine, as we've been talking about. But the thrust of the book is these seven queendoms. And inside each of those queens, there's artwork, there's uh, journal questions, there are exercises, there are rituals and ceremonies using these essential oils we've been talking about, or any oil that you might be able to get hold of. Uh, because we have to get past the conscious mind in order to make deep shifts. And ceremony and ritual is probably one of the most powerful doorways that allows us to get into the more archetypal aspect of our being. And we can make shifts and changes quite quickly there that can be permanent. I love the power of ceremony and ritual. Things just sink into your consciousness in a totally different way. What's one of your favorite rituals? I actually bathe as a as a part of my spiritual practice every morning and I add these essential oils into my bath and so I get the benefit of the olfactory senses one of the fastest ways to change your brain chemistry is through the sense of smell and and so you're building neuro associations with the sense of smell and I bathe with golden water frankincense and myrrh pretty much every day and then uh, use that time also in the bath to connect into my essence and connect into my guides and my spiritual nature. And, and from that, I've actually created a whole morning practice that allows me to then dress in a very conscious way, adorn myself as I would if I was my queen and my queendom preparing for my time at court. My castle and my court is here in my office and in my home. And so I've, I've made a ritual out of preparing for my day and giving myself space at the beginning of the day to really fill my well so that I get to give throughout my day from a place of luscious overflow. This is one of the most important principles we learn when we step into embodying sacred feminine sovereignty we come to understand that our energy bodies, the female energy body, requires to, it to be filled prior to giving. Otherwise, it gets drained exponentially faster. 
And we have to take responsibility for filling ourselves up in that way, for knowing what fills us, for asking to have our needs met, for believing we have a right to have our needs met. And I would say we actually have a responsibility to fill ourselves. This is what the queen knows. She does not apologize for being well-resourced because it is only through being well-resourced that she can take care of her realm. And she understands as a, a royal being that that is her divine right. And we have been disconnected from our understanding of ourselves as spiritual royalty and essentially um, worthy of all the resources we need to have a healthy, happy life. And so we develop internal resistances to these things. And it's really imperative for us as women to recognize we need to be filled. We need to be well-resourced. I mean, nothing, no life gets created until a woman receives in. And these, this is, um, these are energetic, universal energetic principles. So when we can align with that, things, things, things are better. And what a shift that would be. Truly. And I found even in my own life, the work of harnessing my masculine energy and putting it in service to my feminine energy was a, a major way I had to change how I was operating in the world. I was a very sort of gung-ho entrepreneur, working, working, staying up really late, you know, doing all the family chores, all the things, wanting to be, you know, I'd sort of grown into what I call the superwoman archetype. There are actually four other archetypes that we tend to use uh, that we sort of fell into as adaptions to our childhood experiences. One of them is the superwoman. And a lot of women that are running that energy are just facing incredible burnout and hitting the wall because our masculine energy is sort of dragging us all around the place. And it's not recognizing the need for rest, renewal, uh, recharging, refilling, uh, receiving. We, all of those things must be done. And what I've learned is that when I put my masculine energy, the part of me that wants to do and produce and create in service to my feminine wisdom and the guidance that comes through my ability to be still and listen, then the things I create don't end up being busy work. They end up being truly meaningful, aligned experiences for myself and those that I serve. And what are the other three archetypes? One of them is the princess energy. And that when we when we're inhabiting that archetypal energy, the primary marker of that is it's not I have no power. It's not I have to wait. It's not my turn. Thinking think of Rapunzel in the in the tower. Like I just in a state of longing and wishing. And in that longing and wishing state, it can feel sort of depressed, it can feel powerless, it can feel stuck. Like everybody else has the power. We feel very often like a victim in that space. And maybe we were victimized at some point in our earlier life. We just don't want to make that the repeated life experience we have. And so uh, we, if we're stuck in the princess energy, we're waiting for someone else to, to fix the situation for us because we don't feel like we're capable of doing it or we don't know how to do it. Then you can, if, if, you know, for some people they'll hear that and they'll think, ooh, I would never want to be that. And others will say, well, gosh, yeah, that's exactly me. And it's a little disconcerting to hear it. And I just say, have compassion for yourself because these adaptions came out of a response to small and large traumas from our life. And, and we have to know that we use these things to survive 
So, so we want to be very kind and gentle with ourselves. Other women will try a different path, and that's the good girl archetypal energy of just believing that if they can just serve everybody and take care of everybody else's needs first and not upset anyone, then I can be safe, then I can be happy, then I can be settled. And of course, that never happens because you cannot do that for other people. Needs and wants and desires and conflict and um, negotiation are a constant companion in life. And if we're always believing that everybody else's needs are more important than our own, our needs will never get mad. And we end up resentful and angry and frustrated and sometimes passive aggressive and, um, you know, just unhappy, unhappy and exhausted. It's exhausting to be the good girl all the time, almost as exhausting as the superwoman. The only difference is the superwoman thinks she's in charge and doing everything like Look at me, I'm the greatest. She actually really judges those first two pretty harshly, but she's just as stuck as the others because it's still doing what we're doing for the sake of external validation and external recognition. And if I do for you, now you will do for me. And and it's the same, we end up in that same bitter place of uh, wanting to know why is it always up to me to get all the work done? And we have helped create that dynamic and we have to take responsibility for our part in that if we're going to make the shift. And then the fourth archetype is sort of, it's a little less common. Uh, it's the rebel. And when she is up and flared up, she's just like, I'm not happy. So nobody's going to be happy. And she just in burn it down mode and very, uh, out of fear of being abused by others, she preemptively abuses people in order to keep herself safe. And so she's like a wrecking ball in, in our lives and for herself as well. She doesn't have a very peaceful life, but some of her trauma is so great that the only way she can actually feel alive is by being brutal to others. And it really covers up a very intense and deep-seated fear and and a very very deep vulnerability that is frightening and so all of these choices that we sometimes fall into these archetypal choices and sometimes we use more than one they keep us from our sovereignty they keep us stuck in these very difficult um, suboptimal behaviors and ways of thinking and we the beauty of moving into the queen archetype is that we have a, a real pathway to help us address the downfall of staying stuck in those patterns. You know, when you say, if I was to say to the listeners right now, sit in a way that feels like the queen, you know, let your body be in a state like the queen, like there's an immediate, yes, change, because we know, we know there's something noble there. We know there's something powerful and regal there. We know there's a sense of self that's really clear there. And this is the power of working with archetypal energy. And that change has to come from the inside out. Nobody else can do it for us. And nobody can want the change for us more than we want it for ourselves. We have to be willing to, to love ourselves in this way, to take this work on and make the deeper shifts for ourselves. Sounds like a really powerful journey, Rima. If anyone would like to know more, how can they reach you? You can find me at RimaBonario.com, R-I-M-A-B-O-N-A-R-I-O. 
And your book is called? The Seven Kingdoms, A Soul Map for Embodying Sacred Feminine Sovereignty. Uh, and there's a quiz that you can take. You can pop onto the website and take a quiz to see which is your strongest queen archetype. That's always fun. We'll send you a little kit when you put your email address in at the end that helps you explore that. And I also have a bunch of other free gifts available on my website as well. It's been really lovely having you today, Rima. Thank you for being my guest. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening to this week's edition of Exploring the Mystical Side of Life. You will find all of our conversations on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Come visit me at ThoughtChange.com to learn what energy medicine can do for you. While you're there, check out my program, Alchemy from the Inside Out. It's another magical adventure into self-exploration and transformation. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.